Hello, Scotty. How are you now? <laughs> I hope you're feeling better. I didn't realize. I didn't realize I was feeling bad until you started singing. <laughs> I know. I mean, see, it's a, it's a highly efficient undertaking. I make you feel bad with my singing while asking you how you're feeling about it. You're very efficient, John. There's no, 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 no fluff with you, is there? Everything is a like a very compact little co-routine that, that does everything in one go. Exactly. Did you say co-routine? Have you have you dated yourself by chance? <laughs> I dated myself. Yeah, I'm the only I'm the only one who'll go out with me, so I have to really. Yes. Oh, dated myself. I see what you mean, aged. I thought you meant dated as in gone out on a date. No, aged like a fine cheddar. Oh, yes, I am aged aged like a fine cheddar. And some people say I smell like one as well, but there we are. So, what has been up with you on this fine week? Well, (laughs) it's it's been an interesting ride. Um, Uh, and, uh, no, I, I almost feel like I need to pass it back to you <laughs> I'm for, for one point speeches. I'm sure I will collect myself soon enough. Well, it's, it's, it's a strange one here. Cause I just thought when you texted me this afternoon to just say, uh, you know, just time good. Uh, and I suddenly realized, wow, has it been a week already? Cause we've had a four day holiday weekend here. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, it's, uh, even though we sort of work for ourselves and whatever else have sort of tend to take the public holidays still just because i guess everyone else is and therefore it means people are around it's nice to see people so really i you know i guess since we we last spoke i've only done a couple of days of work really um and i've still been fighting all the problems that we were speaking about last week um plus some new ones uh yeah it's um (laughs) but uh my, my life is a um build tool chain hell at the moment of uh uh, somewhere uh, in a client project working on somewhere at some point a a a problem has been introduced to the build tool chain uh for deployments that not sure how long has been there but is only been highlighted by a change to a certain thing which hasn't been changed for a long time uh, and it's caused a problem but we're not sure but that doesn't necessarily mean this change to the certain thing is is, this is going to be so vague; it's probably useless to anybody. Um, you know, it, the, the the change to the thing that's been changed has highlighted the problem. It's not been the cause of the problem. So the problem, because this thing hasn't changed for a long time, the problem could have been introduced a long time ago. And uh, trying to work through everything and find out why the continuous integration is now broken and how certain beta deployments are broken because they can't find certain things in there is um you know tooling you know uh ci and whatever else is is one of my least favorite things anyway um i guess when you set something up in ci and it works it's it's quite satisfying and there is you know something fulfilling about it but trying to debug ci issues um, and why something builds locally and doesn't build in CI, or certain things don't happen. Uh, and then this particular project used Fastlane, and well, I don't necessarily have any issues with Fastlane itself. Fastlane is Ruby based and requires uh, certain versions of Ruby to be installed. It requires certain gems to be installed, and then just you know, and um, 
depending on the CI system you use, most CI systems, in fairness, these days have fast lanes set up, or they're, they're configured to allow fast lane to be set up quite easily. But then if you start getting Ruby errors because there's fast lane issues or whatever else, you know, that's now moving into, a, although I've done some Ruby in the past, you know, it's it's a whole, you know, different kettle of fish and, you know, in there. So it's, uh, you can sometimes feel that you slog away trying to run things and sometimes CI runs slowly. So you think you, you do a fix and then you resubmit a build and, you know, because CI tends to reconfigure the environment all the time, it starts from scratch. That's one of its good points, but equally it makes one of these things that testing is, you know, quite difficult if it's something like in the fourth part of the pipeline. So, yeah, it's, um, I've not really done much work since I last saw you, and the work I have done has been frustrating and so far not too fruitful. So has that given you enough time to think about something positive? Yes. <laughs> Here, let me try and save things. No, just kidding. Uh, I, I've kind of had a similar, you know, experience. You know, there were there was Good Friday. I was in North Carolina. I was spending time with my mom and then just kind of getting back into the swing of things. But uh, I've been in this this kind of phase of this project where I've had to you know, take something that was almost ready to go out for test and then see if I could adapt it to some new infrastructure so that we could all kind of have common patterns for, 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 for creating the, these types of canvases, you know, um, and uh, in some ways I've, 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 I've been dealing with, well, I've been dealing with the challenges of Adapting stuff that has already worked, does work, and is kind of fairly old Objective-C code. Beautifully documented, debugged, we know exactly how it works, but we're switching a, a bunch of technologies around, which happens, right? Switching from, and, and part of that is a switch to, 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 to GraphQL. And so uh, in preparing for that, lots of different parts of the app have been adjusted to, to make work of that, and and... Um, I was trying to, to see if I could use some of that work. and But since that's not deployed yet fully, it's still in test. You know, I, I have to be able to, to build something that I can begin an A-B test with in the here and now and not months from now. So I have to try and make the, the most pragmatic choices I can. And uh, I came across a pattern or I've kind of landed on a pattern of, of how to adapt things. Um, because in the past, oftentimes, if you're trying to make things play nicely between Swift and Objective-C, you can kind of meet in the middle and you can define protocols which are accessible both in Objective-C and Swift. And that works just great so long as uh, the the data types and the nullability can be made to agree. And some can, in many cases, that's absolutely the case. In some cases, it can. And that's like one of the things where a lot of projects, they say, oh, we would love to make this more Swifty, but we can't because we have to make it compatible to Objective-C. And I remember years ago when hearing about this, like, oh, well, it sucks to be you. Now I, I kind of understand uh, more viscerally what that means, especially for things like, you know, nullable scalar types or normal nullable Swift types. There's no way to express them in Objective-C, so it only works. It can't be made to work. So then, you know, I am a big fan of, of, of simple protocols, and then you can have simple classes or structs which conform to those protocols, and you can make your choice about in which which you want to do. Um, but oftentimes, it's it's possible just to take your your class or your struct and just make it conform to the protocol. And Xcode goes a long way to making it easy. If you say you want to conform to a protocol and you're missing some of the you know the implementation details, say, hey, would you like to add the stubs? And I, I find that really nice. 
Um, and uh, so I, and that's great. And so then basically it's one object or one struct and you can use it in lots of different places. And I happen to really like that. Sometimes you can't do that. And so, you know, the next best thing is to be able to create a function on, on, on your class or, or, or struct, which will then express it as another object, but you're a func, a func or a new struct. So you're essentially creating something new, but from that data, and that's pretty good. And, and it's a pattern I've seen adopted where you might say, you know, a, a function that's called as something else. And then, and so it will basically give me this thing, but give me as a, another object or another struct and that conforms to a protocol. So I, I've, I've done that in some places. Then there are cases where you have view models and the view models have a lot of information you need and they refer to entities which you need to populate the, the, the views. And, um, Sometimes making a wholesale, you know, conversion that way works, and you can you can kind of take the same approach. You want to take this view model and then express it as another type of view model in a new world. Mm-hmm. That could be made to work, and but sometimes they're they're different enough that I figure, okay, I'll just make a static function uh, somewhere and just call it, say, an adapter class or a helper class or something like that, where you can basically say, give me this well-formed data structure in the form of a view model and, and, and an array of entities. Um, and uh, let me let me pass that into a factory class, you know, a, a fa- you know, factory m- method, class method, static method, however you want to refer to it, and basically get it back out. And that's where I've landed on something else. So between those different techniques, I've, I think I've, I've learned a lot and come to a, a decent set of, of uh, techniques I can use so that I can, you know, finally ship my test and 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 make further progress because so part of the reason why I'm doing that is that we're moving to a, a new system for, for making highly reusable view modules, which is really great. And the way that view modules work is that they, they all have to conform to protocols. So it doesn't, they, they shouldn't really have to care. Are they embedded in, in a collection view cell? Are they in a stack view somewhere? Are they standing on their own? When you really shouldn't have to care. Um, but you should be able to say, here's a standard way that we we deserialize data, for example, and turn it into objects, which instead of having concrete objects that you have to subclass from, you just say, make your object conform to this protocol, however you choose to do that. And then you can set them on these views and, and all the things that are needed to be able to do it. And you can do techniques like saying, well, you know, the minimum uh, implementation is it will say it will have these functionality. But even in your setter methods, you can say after you did set it, then you can say, ah, can I take this object and I can, and, you know, this is one of the things I love about Swift. Can, can you turn it into something as question mark something else? Does it, can you see if it conforms to some other protocol? Could you express it? And if that's the case, then you can ask it questions and do things with it. So you get a high level of of kind of backwards compatibility or basic functionality, but it becomes it makes for a very very clear pattern. The reason why we care about all this stuff is that you know with a small team you want to be able to have a lot of innovation, a lot of reuse, and and it takes time to 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 think carefully about how you want to do it, and it takes similarly long to to build up a bunch of examples and to to share a bunch of knowledge with the team. And more importantly, to do so in a way that follows the patterns of the platform, because another approach that that companies I see taking all the time, they'll use some third-party tool and they'll say, okay, we'll use React Native or we'll use A.YI or AY.I, whatever these, you know, these kind of third-party tools that say, here, take a code base and, you know, program it in C++ and spit out versions for TV and all mobile platforms. And, And we don't want to do that. We want to really take maximum advantage of the platform. 
So you have to kind of stay within those bounds. So that's been my 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 last couple of days in between traveling and dealing with Easter and helping my mom. Okay, that's that's interesting. It's yeah, this this transitioning from one state to another, as opposed to just going to go for the the purest way forward, is yeah, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because obviously, you know, you want to move from A to B now and you you've got to make that transition as you go through but the goal is eventually at some point it will all be b and not a uh but then, right. but then there'll be comp- loads of compromises in b that you know in five years time people are going to say why did was it done this way uh because b had to accommodate a and <laughs> very rarely do you get to do b in its own its own form so yeah it's uh and then by time by time you reach the point where b maybe wouldn't have needed a you're probably already working on c uh, <laughs> because <laughs> because there's now a, a different way of doing it again and i, I do think i yeah. do think there's there's a balance as well isn't there because um there's there's a code base that i work on sometimes and it is incredibly well structured um it, everything is done in a very uniform way and once you understand how it's doing it, you can search, you know, you'll say, well, there's going to be a presenter, there's going to be a view model, there's going to be a, yeah, and you can find where stuff is. Um, and so from a point of view of if you learn the way the app presents one screen, you can learn the way the app presents all screens. If you learn the way the app builds up, um, you know, one table, you can understand the way the app builds up all tables so from that side of things um it's it's incredibly good uh but it does sometimes mean that instead of writing one line of code to do something quick and dirty and simple you're creating five different objects in order to follow um to follow the pattern uh Mm. to make it there now of course sometimes at some point someone is going to get tempted to say we don't have time and then someone's going to break the rule and now you've got yep. this incredibly structured code with a couple of places where it's not. And how long is it before those places where it's not become, they're no longer the simple little thing that's put together. They're now something far more complex and something different. And now he, it, there's this like dysfunction in, in what's going on uh, because someone somewhere was trying to save, you know, an hour of work that seemed inconvenient in what was going to be a 10 minute job, but now you're paying for it so long on. So this whole, this whole site like stuff is always a always a balancing act of, of where do we go because I can see it, the more you break things down, so the fact that you might have a view, you might use view models even when it's like seems like real overkill to use a view model or or um, you know a, a data model or whatever terminology you're using within whatever sort of like architecture you're using. In theory, it does mean you know switching to some other type of ui or some other type of uh you know back end or whatever is fine as long as you can still support a view model or a, or a data model or whatever it might be so yeah the, maybe because one of the things about objective i find about objective c um is yes you say you objective c tends to come in multiple forms you've just described objective c you know some old objective c is beautifully documented and beautifully written Whereas I have the joy of working on some old Objective C, which is anything but, <laughs> um, yeah. and um, 
it, but it was written by people, a lot of it was written by people who were learning as they went along, and therefore, you know, and, and to be honest, what they've done is follow some Apple samples, and these samples were terrible in the first place. Um, yeah. So I'm not necessarily blaming anyone on this. But then, so now, transitioning from something that's not, that's even worse. So transitioning from something that's not very pure is even worse. So I think there's always something mm-hmm. to say for keeping it, keeping it structured. Because at least if it's structured, in theory, if you come up with a plan for moving to A to B, you should be able to just follow that plan across the board. That's my yeah, view. Anyway. Indeed, indeed. So that is, and and it. Go okay, ahead. you carry on. Well, I was just saying that you know, you know, I make I make jokes. We joke all the time about how you know we're we're proudly gray bearded, but you know, part of going through this experience several times is you learn techniques and and I, the, your way of describing it going from a to b and by the time you get to b you know you you, you wish you hadn't made compromises compromise and you're working on c and i think that people have been through that and that's why you know th- then just saying it's like okay you know i have to get there so it's your job to adapt your things to make it look like and you kind of always ask yourself where do you make the adaptation and my general feeling is to design the system that you think is correct and and pure so to speak or at least you know made with with without compromises which is why for saying it's like you know have things be very structured and and have to conform to these protocols and and tend to make things as as read only as often you know as you possibly can for example because it just makes life a lot of easy a lot easier and then you know while you're doing it people say oh but i need to mutate it or i need to do this and, and you can have those discussions but try to start as constrained as you can possibly get away with and then relax it as as needed but then you also say it's it's your job to move along and and there are plenty of examples of this in the real world i mean it's like think about electric vehicles you know tesla was first to market and they have a, a connector system and and there are things that are really great about it but other systems come along and and that's why you have adapters things and it's, there's nothing wrong with that um people travel there are plug adapters there are voltage adapters you just have to to, to be adaptable there we go and there's there's the title of the of this show um, but I think who has to be adaptable is always the question. And I'm, I'm reminded by my son about, you know, issues that, that they were had and in having to have cooperation for the International Space Station yeah. and, and, and how they would dock things and the amount of effort that was made. It's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to be the, the female connector. Or we're going to be the male connector. <laughs> so they had to, like, find a way. It's like, no, we'll both be this. It's kind of funny. It is. But and I think such, such, find a reference for them. sometimes... Uh, sometimes as well we can be quite arrogant as engineers that we think we know better and 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 sometimes that's right sometimes we do i mean let me give you an example i mean this isn't about knowing better this is about just being different i guess um the code base i've been talking about the person who worked on it beforehand um was a build ui and code person now um i have always been more than happy on the whole um to use storyboards, particularly for simple UI, more complex UI, I understand the performance reasons. Sometimes you need to do code. I'm not saying you can always use storyboards, but I've been, you know, I'm reasonably happy for simpler stuff to use storyboards. So I was adding something to the app the other day, and I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. It's, I've just got to write all this UI code. I'm just going to slap a storyboard on and slap these you know, three components on with some auto layout, and we're done. And I did it, and then I thought, yeah, but no, this is the only storyboard in the app. Uh, it's now doing something different to the rest of the app. At some point, someone's going to trip over this. So even though I think it's a totally acceptable engineering way of doing 
practice, sometimes consistency is better. Um, and so I then redid it. I did it. It did the, did the UI and code, um, which didn't take long. So it was a simple UI um, in there. And uh, now you, I'm not going to trip over that one in, because it's storyboards or else. Now, if we decided, you know, going forward, we're just going to use storyboards because that's the way forward. And now we're just transitioning from A to B, but we're never going to, you know, we're only going to do each screen as it needs to be done for, you know, because we're doing a UI redesign or something. You know, that that's different. But just doing something because it was convenient there, you know, I, I, I made the choice that even though I'm not necessarily going to do it that way, consistency makes life easier in the long run. Indeed. So indeed, indeed. let me um, ask you a little bit about GraphQL because obviously okay. GraphQL became really trendy, I would say, hmm, four years ago maybe. Maybe even a little longer now. I've lost COVID has maybe lost total track of time. Uh, but I remember, you know, if you went to any conference, you know, four or five years ago, someone will be given a um, a talk on GraphQL. I believe at the time the main GraphQL library um, for iOS and Mac stuff was called Apollo. Um, Correct. And I'm not sure if that's the but everyone everyone was sort of saying, yeah, GraphQL is great um, because you only ask for the data you actually need. You don't have to have like REST APIs where you get, always get back the full record. Now, you know, like I see for someone like Netflix who, you know, have millions of requests to your server probably every minute, you know, let alone every day, you know, if you can reduce, you know, the amount of data coming back to just what's needed by that call as opposed to REST API, I mean, that that's, you know, that's climate change level of data change yes. um, in there. So I totally get why. But it all just seemed to be fantastic in theory and great in simple practice, yet started to have a lot of hacks and workarounds once you got to certain certain places now. I mean, you may not be working with it at a level where you've been able to work this out yet. Is it still in that place or is it moved on now and people have solved these problems and now there's a, you know, as long as you follow certain ways of doing things, you know, it's a bit like when REST first came around, everyone was struggling with it, but then there became, then there's now good REST practice. Now REST isn't perfect, but there's good REST practice. It, 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 where is GraphQL on that sort of level? Is from an iOS point of view, at least. Uh, that's a good question. And, and my, my colleague, British Ben, would be able to give a much better answer than that. But from what I can understand, and you know, there, there are multiple reasons to why you want to do it. And one reason is just to be able to have consistency of how you present things, especially if you're in a microservices world where you can basically say, okay, here's our schema and you can request data in this way and, and you can get it in these well-formed entities um, which are adaptable for different platforms and then kind of do it like that. Otherwise, you are, I think it is absolutely true that that you end up having to, to do a bunch of different things that, to my mind, kind of harken back to the old days of, 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 of enterprise objects frameworks where you had a similar problem. It's like it's, it's wonderful when you have an in-memory graph of objects and it, it's, it's really wonderful, but then it completely breaks down when you start to distribute it or you start to come into memory-constrained issues. Um, and then you end up saying, it's like, okay, how can I represent what I want with the thinnest thing where I just need an object ID and a title and maybe a thumbnail URL and that's it. You know, but then at 
some point you need to promote it. And then that's, that's when you, you know, getting to that point of having to fill in and that's when, when things come undone. Um, and so there is no perfect thing. And, and what you said is completely true. Like every three, four years, however, whatever the time scale is, like clockwork, the industry will come on saying, this is new hotness. This solves all the problems we had. And, and, and when, when you're the first having, you know, you're in your career and you first experience some problem and then you say, oh yeah, this is going to solve it. And then you go through and you find out that it didn't, then you become a wizened elder. And it's like, nope, nothing, nothing that, that promises do this will actually work in this fashion. Um, so you have to then become pragmatic. And as you said, kind of what happened in, in the rest world is, is happening in the, in the GraphQL world. And, and it solves some sets of problems, introduces some others, um, one of which is, is speed. And it's like that's And that's what, what you said is absolutely true. It's like in the simple case, maybe you don't really need it. In the simple case, you know, a REST-based server and, and you're, you're launching an app and it's not going to have the, near the traffic of, of, of larger apps. So keep your life simple and, and, and don't just jump on the trends. But, the, the, you know when you are dealing with lots and lots and lots and lots of transactions and, and a variety of devices from TVs to web to, to set-top boxes to, to mobile devices of varying you know, capabilities, these little devilish details are, are what makes things, what requires a lot of time and a thought and experimentation. You can't just like switch from one to the other, so you have to be very careful and thoughtful about how you roll these things out. Um, but I, uh, it's, it's interesting to, to see how it, how it transitions. And it's always also kind of fun to be able to see who, who is on, you know, because GraphQL is, is, is a, a public project as was Falcor. Falcor, Falcor was invented, you know, at, at Netflix. Um, and it's, it's, it, you know, it, many conferences were made, many discussions about it were made and, and it solved a lot of problems. It's really great, but you know, if if you talk about how uniformity has its own advantages, even if you don't agree with with the thing to which things are being made uniform, and that's the case, there are many times when a certain technology is is, is absolutely better for the case, but it makes sense to adapt something else just because of the advantage of of being able to have lots of other people who can help and work on it. So that's always something interesting uh, to observe in in the world. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, and, and that gets even more interesting when you start looking at using open source projects. Because, yes, yeah, surely if everybody in in a pure in a world where open source worked, and um, you know there was a particular framework that did something uh, that everybody wanted, and everybody used that framework, um, then and and then everybody sort of like took some responsibility for that framework, uh, the world would be a better place because everyone would, you know, do it. Uh, unfortunately, what happens is everybody uses the framework. Nobody takes responsibility for the framework. Those mm-hmm. who took responsibility for the framework get pissed off with all the people who use the framework, moaning at them about things not working. They bugger off, framework dies, we will move on to another one. Yep. Well, on that happy note... <laughs> The framework is 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 looked after by one very dedicated person, and it goes on for a long, long time. But eventually, that dedicated person will, you know, um, give up. Be run over by a tractor. Yeah, even even if it is just you know giving up, as in no, decide to no longer breathe. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's um, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, John. 
John, if people want to say interesting things to you, where should they do that? Well, they should find me on the place where all interesting people are, especially now that Twitter's trying to play that and to buy it. And that's called Twitter. Soon to be the place where anything could be said <laughs> private <laughs> with a private company behind it with no accountability to the yes. universe. And where you'll find me as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to... You know, tell you once again how correct and right and righteous and gracious and delightful and wonderful you are. Where might they do that? Well, they can send me a musk on muskathon. <laughs> a <laughs> muster. A, mus- a musketer. Musker. Musketeer. Yeah. That's what musketeer. they're called. Musketeer. You can send me a musk on musketeer. Uh, no, I think. Um, I, I think for now. Uh, oh dear. Oh dear. I. 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 Let's. Fact. I. I. I had some problems with Twitter, as it as it currently is, because it's, you know, we joke about it every week, but it is a bit of a, a shit show of a hellhole of place to, to be sometimes. But, you know, um, an Elon Musk run shit show, uh, <laughs> I'm not quite so sure whether I even want to <laughs> yeah. even want to mention it anymore. There we are. Uh, but for now, you can um, you can send me a turd on the shit show at, um, <laughs> at uh, <laughs> Mac Devnet is my um, poop address. So there we go. <laughs> Oh, dear. Well, there we go. Right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Hopefully there was something there that was interesting to you. And if not, at least just think that's 30 minutes of your life that you have spent badly. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening. And until next time. You take care to make better choices next time. <laughs> no, no, it's consistency because you must consistently listen to this podcast regardless of whether it's the right podcast for you or not. Shall we stop now? Thank you.